Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. Well, good evening. It's good to see you guys. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are just so glad that you are joining us. Whether you are here right now, or whether you're watching online or listening online, thank you so much for, for joining us. A couple of things before we get going. It's October. Do you guys know that? I mean, yeah, I know. You do know that. But every new month here at Cross Creek, we start a new For Salem challenge. And we'll talk about For Salem in a little bit. But basically, a For Salem challenge is a way to show our neighbors that we're for them. And so this month, it's a really fun one, thinking about Halloween. We call it Boo Your Neighbor. As you came in this evening, and if you're watching online, you, you got to come in person to find out this stuff. But uh, as you came in this evening, there was a table with a bunch of Oreo cookies and a little sign on it that said, you've been booed. And so after this service, each family, because we don't know how much we have right now, but if you're a family or you're kind of on your own, grab a box or a package of cookies, and all you do is you put that on your neighbor's door, doorstep. It won't stick on the door. So put it on their doorstep, and then it's just a way to say, hey, you've been booed. I'm thinking about you. They don't know it was you, so it's like super safe. You don't have to have a weird conversation, you know, like if you're going to get your neighbor, your mail, and they're like, hey, you gave me cookies. Here's something for, no, you know, you don't have to be all awkward like that. You can like, it is, we, last year we did it, and we got caught taking it up to the door. So that's awkward. <laughs> but that won't happen to you. So grab a, grab a package of cookies, boo your neighbors, show your neighbors that there's, you know what, there's somebody for them out there. And so uh, with that for idea, if you're new here, we want you to know that we're for you too. And we have something for you. See how that all works? Maybe, maybe you missed it when you came in, but uh, we have a, a card in the seat in front of you called the Connect card. You can fill that out with some very easy information. After the service, you can give that to the person at the info table, buy the cookies, and we will give you a free gift. Very, very simple. Sound good? We good? Okay, cool. So uh, again, welcome to Cross Creek. This whole for Salem idea kind of came because uh, of how we envisioned Cross Creek to be. We're about two years old now. We've been here for about two years. And, you know, we decided to do a church that's a little bit different. We wanted to start a church for people who don't normally go to church. You know, there's a lot of churches out there, and they're, they're great. Salem has a lot of great churches. But a lot of the time, they, you know, you can feel like, you know, they're, they're geared for church people, which is, which is good. But there's a lot of people in Salem who aren't church people. There's a lot of people in Salem who aren't church people that God loves, and so we wanted to make a way for people to feel comfortable to discover God's love for them. And so we started Cross Creek Community Church, a church people don't normally go to church. And because, you know, in this world, and you see it on social media, you see it on the news all the time, a lot of people are kind of, and organizations are known for what they're against, right? Well, I'm against that. I'm going to hold a sign and pick it. I'm going I'm um, to protest that. I'm against that. In a world where, you know, so many things, we know what we're against, we want to be known for what we're for. And so that's the whole for 
Salem idea. We want people to know that we are for them. Even if they never step foot in this building or never watch online, we are for them, even if they're never for us. That's kind of like our DNA here. It's like our lifeblood. And you know, you might wonder, why is that so important? Why, why, I mean, why go through all that effort? Just so you know, it's not easy starting a church, because we are a church, for people who don't normally go to church. You know why that's hard? Because they don't normally go to church, right? So it kind of takes a while to get going. But why are we putting in all this effort to do this? Basically because that's how Jesus was. See, for G- people who were nothing like Jesus loved being around Jesus, People who are nothing like him. And, you know, you think about it, the way he's often portrayed or thought about, you would think, you know, you know he's this holier, blonde, sweet-looking dude. And, you know, the people who would really want to be around him are kind of like the churchy grandmas and, you know, those, those minister types who can't change their own tire. You know, that, those types of people. Nothing against you if you can't change your tire. I did it once. So, but that's not... That's not the type of people that Jesus hung out with. In fact, the churchy religious people hated Jesus. They couldn't stand him. They were offended by him because of, or one of the main reasons was, because of the people he chose to hang out with. Hang out with. They couldn't stand him because of who was around him. I mean, think, when you read the, the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, the people he hangs out with are traitors to their own people, outcasts, disfigured by disease, prostitutes. These are the people that Jesus regularly hung out with. And I mean, you think about it. A man who said, and I think proved, that he was God spent most of his time with people that probably most of us wouldn't want to be around. Why? Like, why, why did these people want to be around him so much? Like, wouldn't you think if, if God came to earth that, you know, those types of people would want to hide from him? Like, if, if God came to you and said, hey, you want to hang out? You'd probably be like, no, not really, because you know everything about me, right? Like, I can't put on a good face with you. Why did these people love hanging out with Jesus so much? Because he accepted them. Jesus accepted people. He was for them. Now, when I say accepted, that's a weird word. Because often I think when we hear, you know, I accept you, or I accept that. It often has the idea that you agree with everything that person is about, right? I, I agree with everything you are. I agree with everything you choose to do. I accept you. I accept you. You're accepted. But that doesn't really work, right? That, nobody is that way. That's impossible to fully be okay and on board 100% with everything everybody thinks and does. In fact, think about it. You are not 100% accepting of all your choices, are you? You're not, you don't condone every choice you've ever made in your life. It's impossible to do that for yourself. It's impossible to do that for everyone. But, so when I say accepted, it's better than that. When I say Jesus accepted people, it's this, accepted. No matter how different we are, I see you as a person worthy of value and honor. See, I think that's something we can get behind. No matter how different we are, no matter how different we vote, no matter how different we look, no matter how different we choose to raise our kids, no matter you know, how different we work, I see you as a person worthy of value and honor. And that's how Jesus saw people. That's how Jesus treated people. He wasn't afraid to be seen with them. He wasn't afraid to be seen with people who were nothing like him. He wasn't afraid to eat dinner with people who were nothing like him. He chose to serve people 
that others found repulsive. He chose to actually serve, go out of his way to serve them when other people saw them as repulsive. And so that's why we, like I said, that's why we have Cross Creek the way we have it. We want to be like Jesus. We want to show people, be just a little, a little maybe a glimpse or a window into what Jesus is really like, how he actually accepts people. Because if you think about it, we all want to be accepted like that, don't we? Like we all want to know that we are accepted. Like we are seen as a person, as who we are, our own person, that we're worthy of value and honor. Like no matter how many differences we have, we might not agree with everything the other thinks or does, but we want to be seen as a person of value and honor. We want to be accepted. And for me, like every, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I have this feeling of wanting to be accepted because those are the days I picked my son up from preschool. And, you know, the teacher never lets him out on time, which is cool. You know, the kids are enjoying themselves. And so it's me and all the other moms <laughs> waiting for their kids to be let out of preschool. And so I feel like I'm in middle school again because I'm just standing there and nobody's talking to me. And I want to be accepted. I want them to be like, hey, he's a cool guy. If he comes up and talks to me, he's not being like this creep. He's like, hey, <laughs> how you doing? You know? Which, you know, it would have, have, kind of have that. So I want to be accepted, but... I don't feel like I am. And if you go to that preschool, just say hi. But we all want to be accepted, don't we? Like, you get those, those what's the word, the um, insecurities. Like, you go, especially if you're an introvert, you know this. You, like, even go to the bank and you want people there to ex- accept you without ha- you actually having to talk to them. But we all want to be accepted. And when it comes to God, on some level, I think even if we're not sure there is a God, On some level, if there is a God, we hope that he accepts us too. We want God to accept us. But we, I think, we either say it or we feel it. We kind of alluded to it. You know, but if there is a God, or the God I know, doesn't it really, probably doesn't accept me. Right, for what I've done, he knows everything I've done, he probably doesn't accept me. You know, or maybe what I haven't done, what I should have done, but I didn't do it. I don't think he's very accepting of me. I have doubts. I mean, how does he accept people with doubts? Isn't it all about faith? I have questions. I want to be an independent thinker. I don't want to just buy what some dude on a stage is telling me. So I don't think God would really accept me. So my question to you is, who told you that? They were wrong. And I'm going to spend the next few weeks trying to prove that to you. And that's what this series is about. That we, in this accepted series, we're going to discover what God is really like. And how all those reasons that we said about why he wouldn't accept us really mean nothing in the face of his love for you and his true acceptance of you. And so as we kind of start this idea of being accepted by God, I want to start where all great ideas start, with curiosity. And here's what we're going to discover tonight, that Jesus accepts the curious. Jesus accepts the curious. It's actually better than that. And what we're going to look at to kind of see this play out is what we call the gospel of John. Gospel is a word that means the good news. And the gospel of John is really just an eyewitness account of Jesus' life. I think it's, I, you know, I was a history teacher for a while, and I really think the gospel of John is one of the most interesting ancient pieces of literature ever written. If you have a Bible, you can turn to John. We'll be in chapter 1. 
If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. Everything's going to be on the screen for you. You can follow along with us. But like I said, this is an eyewitness account of Jesus' life, written by Jesus' best friend, the guy who was on the inner circle at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, John, the apostle John. And what's cool about this this, um, basically biography, and it's almost an autobiography because John's in it so often, is that the insights and the details you see in Jesus' ministry, we wouldn't know this unless somebody who had actually lived it and been there wrote them down. And so like you see like, you, you feel the tension. You feel the, like, you know, he doesn't, doesn't know exactly who Jesus is, and he's got all these questions, and it's, you should read, you should read it. It's, it's pretty cool. It's a lot better than what you think the Bible is. But what's cool about the, the history of it, let me nerd out for a little bit, the history of the Gospel of John, the accuracy you see in it of the ancient geography of Israel, the, the customs of the ancient Jews, the, like the political scene that Jesus was living in. You, you really feel like you can almost, almost smell it, but you're glad you can't because, you know, it's ancient Israel. It's warm there. And so as John got older, he was one of Jesus' best friends. He was his disciple, his, his apostle, his follower. As John got older, he, he spent his life telling people about his best friend, saying, hey, this is what God's love is like. This is, this is how I know Jesus was God. You know, I saw him dead, then I saw him alive. As he's getting older, he's realizing, hey, I need to write this stuff down. See, in the ancient world, people didn't really value the writing as much as hearing it from the person who was there. And, John, and that's what John was. He was a witness. But then he's like, hey, I'm going to die at some point. I need to write this down. And so he wrote it down, and we got what we call the Gospel of John. And so this, this part that we're going to look at is kind of near the beginning of John's, John's account. And most scholars think that the disciple John, what, uh, the disciple of Jesus, John, started out as a disciple of a different guy. Maybe you've heard of him, John the Baptist. Right? And that has nothing to do with his denomination. He was just baptizing people. It wasn't like, you know, there's John the Methodist and they had to separate him between John the Methodist. And... <laughs> that was a good one. Okay. So John the Baptist, his job was baptizing people. And according to the account of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, John the Baptist is actually a relative of Jesus. Kind of a little interesting side note. But John the Baptist was weird. He's kind of an eccentric, right? We wouldn't have wanted to hang out with John the Baptist. He, he lived in the wilderness of Israel. He wore camel's hair clothes, had like this huge leather belt like a WWF wrestler. And he ate locusts, like giant grasshoppers, and wild honey. It's like the original paleo diet. (laughs) Except the paleo diet is supposed to go for... Anyway. So, but the thing is, at this time, you think John's weird, nobody wants to hang out with him. He's like super famous. There was no TV, there was was nothing else to do. And so everybody would say, hey, you know that crazy guy who's yelling about the kingdom of God out in the wilderness? Let's go watch what he's doing. And so people from all over would come and listen to John, like, make fun or talk to the religious leaders of the day. He called them, like, snakes and vipers. And like, this is really good stuff. We can't get away with this, but everybody's scared of John. He can say whatever he wants. And so they went out and watched him, super famous. And he said that his job was preparing everyone for the anointed one, or as the, the Jews call him, the Messiah, the idea of anointed one. Like the ancient Jews would anoint their kings with oil and say, you are the, you're the king. And he's saying, I'm preparing the way for the king, like the king of kings. That's my job. I'm preparing the way for them. And so he said, we, we're preparing you. So repent of you know, the evil you're doing and the, the, your sins and get baptized, get washed clean of all that. 
and you'll be ready for the Messiah to come. And so one day, John's doing his whatever the heck he did, doing his stuff, baptizing people, and Jesus walks by. And John the Baptist, in his probably weird way, when we read the Bible, we read it like this. John the Baptist says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's probably more like, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And everybody thought that was really interesting. And I'm going to watch this video and regret that. But he said the Lamb of God, kind of hearkening back to the, the Jewish religious custom of sacrificing sheep, the Lamb of God, sacrificing lambs to cover the sins of the people. He says, this guy who's walking by, he's like the ultimate sacrifice for sins. He's the reason I came. He's the one I've been talking about. He's God's chosen one. Everybody thinks that's really cool, and they all go home. And Jesus kind of just keeps walking. Dur, 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 this is great, right? Well, it happens again the next day. Jesus comes walking by while John's doing his thing. And John's like, look, the Lamb of God. So two of John's disciples say, hey, that's interesting. And one of those disciples, most scholars think, was the writer of the Gospel of John, John, who was a teenager at the time. And so John and his friend, the other disciple, John the Baptist, go out check things out. What is, what is John the Baptist talking about? And so it's kind of where we pick up right here. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Now, when we read the Bible, we just kind of like read through it and we go, oh, that's cool. Well, I mean, picture, put yourself there. They, John says, the Lamb of God. And these two disciples are like, cool. And they start following him. How are they, like, are they like right on his heels? Like they haven't said anything yet. Like do you understand this weird situation that they're in? Jesus is walking and they're like, or maybe they're, they're kind of stalking him, like hiding behind the palm trees and then shuffling over to a camel and like have these fake glasses on. And they hold up the newspaper like, what's he doing? It's, it's weird. And so John had told them in his own weird way, who, like he, he kind of told them who this guy was, but they wanted to check it out for themselves. They were curious about this Jesus guy. They didn't want to just take John's word for it. They wanted to check it out for themselves. And so they start, however they did it, they start following Jesus as he's walking down the road. And then what we have in, whoa, we're not there yet. There we go. So what we have in verse 38 there is Jesus' first recorded words in the Gospel of John. And when in ancient writing, when your main character speaks for the first time, it's kind of a big deal. You pay attention to it, right? You pay attention to people's first words and people's last words. And so these words are how John chose to introduce his best friend, who he would later worship as God. By the way, you all have friends. Well, I, most of you have friends, right? Now, I say this about brothers too, but... What would it take for your friend, your best friend, to convince you he's God and for you to start worshiping him and telling everyone else to worship him? Quite a bit. Right? I mean, your friend's cool. They're not that cool. So we'll get to that part later. But, and so turning around, these are Jesus' first words. Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Like, how did he say it? I don't know. They don't have inflection. But, I mean, what do you want? 
What do you want? I see you behind the camel, John. Seriously. What do you want? Like, how did he say that? And so, you know, I, I picture he says, hey, guys, let's talk. What do you want? What is going on here? And I think he's kind of asking two questions here, right? First of all, the obvious question, why are you following me? Like, do you, are you, are you, are you selling skin cream? Because I've got plenty. <laughs> why are you following me? And what are you hoping to get out of following me? Or in another way, what are you seeking in life? Why are you following? What do you want out of this? There's, you know, I know you heard what John said. It wasn't quiet. We all know what John said and why you started following me. What do you hope that means for you? What are you seeking in life? What do you want? Just take a break there and for you. Please don't raise your hand and answer. But I think it's a question for all of us. What do you want? See, we're all here for a reason. We're all watching or listening online for a reason. What are you hoping to get out of it? What are you seeking in life? What brought you to want to check out a church, maybe a different kind of church. What do you want? And the cool thing is, what we see here is that Jesus encourages curiosity and questions. His very first words in this gospel are a question, asking somebody, what do you want? What is this? What is your reasoning behind all this? Ask your questions. I'm here. He encourages our curiosity and our questions. It's really... That question was an invitation for them to ask him anything. What do you want? I'm, you have my attention. What can I do for you? They could have asked him anything. They could have said, Jesus, why did John call you the Lamb of God? Could have asked, are you, are you really the Messiah? Are you really the anointed one? Or, you know, if, you, if that is you and you're, you know, like you're this holy person, what is the stuff that we need to know. Like, we've been following John, and that's cool, and it's kind of weird sometimes, but obviously you, he says you're more important than he is. What do we need to know? Or like, why do Americans actually think you're white? They could have asked him anything. But instead, they ask, where are you staying? Where are you staying? Do we get to that yet? They said rabbi, which means teacher. John's translating for his readers that aren't Jewish. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. See, Jesus could have given them any answer. Could have just given them an address, right? Hey, I'm, I'm at 644, you know, Mulberry Street. Come, come find me. But he doesn't. Instead, he invited them to join him and see. See, they didn't, they didn't actually care about what house he was staying at. They didn't want to be like, hey, so you're like this really religious dude. Are you really walking the walk, or are you living in some mansion or something, right? They could have asked. They didn't care about the house. They wanted uninterrupted time with Jesus, and Jesus thought that was pretty cool. He said, hey, come and see. So instead of giving him an address, he's invited them to join him and see. He's inviting them into a relationship with him, into actually getting to know him, seeing who he is, inviting them to get some personal understanding of who he is. Because Jesus knows this, personal curiosity leads to personal passion. Personal curiosity leads to personal passion. Like, okay, that's, that's a nice play on words and whatnot, but what the heck are you talking about? Well, think about it. When you were in school, or when you are in school, and you are forced to study a subject, are you super passionate about it? 
You're like, all right, I can't wait to do this homework on, I don't know what you guys are doing. Algebra, let's use the worst thing, math, okay? All right, I can't wait to do my math project, my math homework. Like, you're super excited. No, right, because it's horrible. Math is terrible. So you're not, you don't have a passion about it, but what if it was something you were interested in, right? Like, my son, my oldest son, Danny, is super into Minecraft right now. You ask that kid anything, and he will tell you, he'll go on and on about Minecraft. You ask him about anything else, and he won't tell you a thing. Right? How is school today? I don't want to tell you. What did you learn? Math. Like, I understand why you're upset. What else is going on? There you go. <laughs> See, but when you, when you have a passion, when, you, when it's something you're interested in, you start having a passion for it. Well, your personal curiosity leads you to research it, to discover it, and you become passionate about it. And so Jesus is saying, hang out with me. Get to know me. Ask some questions so you can make up your mind for yourself. So it's your own searching. Don't just believe what John said. You know, come. Come and see. Come and find out who I am. You see, you don't really, you just know what John told you. You don't know who I am. So come and see. So verse, back to the verses if you can. Sorry, I think you're jumping around a lot today. My fault. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. We'll stop there for a second. So they go, and they spend the day with him. And it's a day John never forgot. Right? Can you, if, if you're married, can you think of that first date you had? I know it's weird relating John and Jesus to you dating your spouse, but like, that was a big day, right? From that day on, your life would be different. This is a day John never forgot. It changed his life forever. And how do we know that? He's like, hey, I remember. It was like about four in the afternoon that this happened. You see that little personal insight? Isn't that cool? That's, how, that's one of the clues where like, hey, he was there. Like this old man, his life has changed. The day his life changed forever. He's like, yeah, I remember the exact hour. It was four o'clock. I think that's pretty cool. And so it was such an impactful day. Such an impactful time. We don't know what they talked about. We don't know what, question, what other questions they asked him. That they immediately went out and had to tell somebody. Verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said, what John had said, and who had followed Jesus. Keep going. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, which is just Greek for Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, and he said, you are Simon, son of John. Different John. It's a really common name. You're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. See, they go and they, and they tell, and Andrew goes and tells um, what's going on. And they said, we found the Messiah, Christ, the anointed one. The one God would send to, to rescue us. And they thought from Rome that they got to get to the end of the story to realize they were wrong about that. That's later in the story. You can read ahead with all this, by the way. But see, they had, they had their personal curiosity that they were allowed to follow Jesus, accepted their curiosity. So they got their personal passion, which leads to passionate publicity. You see how I did all the peas today? Personal passion leads to passionate publicity. See, they wanted to talk about what they've discovered. They're passionate about it, and so they want to share it. 
Like, you know, like a, when you find a good restaurant, finally, you want to tell everyone about it. When you, find, when, you, when you watch a movie that's really impactful, you tell your friend, hey, have you guys seen this movie? Right? I think it's like the Teletubbies take on the world or something. It changed my life. You have to see it. See, when you find something good, it's hard to keep it to yourself. Except Oregon. Keep Oregon to yourself. Okay? I want to be the last Californian that moved here. I'm just kidding. If you're watching online, you can come. Okay, and then, so they take him, to, they take Peter to Jesus. Go back to the verse again. I know we're going back and forth. Sorry, Ollie. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. That's weird, guys. Don't just be like, oh, that's how Peter got his name. I mean, who does that? Hey, good to meet you. What's your name? Cephas? No, <laughs> you're Peter. That's weird. And we just like, oh, cool, Cephas means Peter. And then, you know, get all these sermons about rocks, and Peter means rock. See, what Jesus is doing here, he's showing his authority already. He's like saying, hey, you don't know exactly who I am yet, but I know who you are. And I know who you're going to be. He names him Peter, the rock, because he knows that Peter's going to be the guy like the church gets started on. Peter's going to be the leader at the beginning after, after Jesus dies and resurrects and leaves to go to heaven. Peter's the dude who like gets everything going. And he already sees that. He's like, hey, you know, Simon's cool and all, but you're Cephas. You're the rock. Showing his authority. See, these guys' lives were changed forever. And it all started with Jesus accepting them and accepting their curiosity. See, you notice when they said, hey, where are you staying? He said, come and see. He didn't say, bow down and worship, and then you may enter the house of the Lord. Right? I think that's kind of how we feel. Like People call the, this building the house of the Lord. He doesn't live here, guys. Okay, That's a whole different thing with the word church and stuff. Anyway, so we think we have to clean ourselves up before we can go enter the house of the Lord. And Jesus is saying, hey, you don't know me at really that much at all. Come and see. Come to my house where I am staying, where I sleep, where I, you know, do other things, and see what I'm all about. He didn't test their Bible knowledge to make sure they were worthy. He didn't make them confess all their sins before he would hang out with them and be seen walking in public with them. They didn't have to have it all figured out and have their lives put together all nice and clean. He simply invited them to come and see, he accepted them before they knew who he was or before they proved any type of worthiness to know him. They were like pre-accepted, like that loan you want to get, right? They're pre-accepted. That would have been a good note. And so I think the bottom line in this kind of intro to how Jesus accepts people is this. Jesus' acceptance is an invitation, Jesus' acceptance is an invitation. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, and we're all in different spots, no matter what your question is, no matter what you know or don't know or what you doubt, no matter what you have figured out, Jesus accepts you. No, he doesn't condone everything you choose to do. But he is for you. And he accepts you. He sees you as a person worthy of value 
and honor. As someone who thinks for themselves and deserves to be given time to discover who he is in their own way. His acceptance is an invitation. He's not offended or bothered by questions. Right? There's not a question that he hasn't heard where he's like, oh, yeah. That's a good, I'll get back to you. I don't, I don't know. You got me. I guess I'm not God. Right? There's no question he hasn't heard. He's not bothered. He invites your questions. He can't wait to show you in your own way that will produce your own personal passion who he is. He invites your questions. He says, bring your questions, bring your doubts, bring your fears, and come and see for yourself. So he offers that invitation to all of us. Come and see. Do you really accept me? I mean, for who I am and what I choose to do and how I see the world, do you accept me? Come and see. Do you, I mean, so my friend invited me because they said that, you know, you've made a difference in their life and they, they say, you know, you, 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 make, you make them better at life and you, you've made their life better. Do you, is, is that true? Come and see. Can you handle my doubts and questions? Come and see. Are you really what they say you are? Come and see. Yeah, but can you really use me, I mean me, to make a difference? Like, can you give my life purpose? Come and see. Jesus doesn't want you to have second-hand knowledge about him. He doesn't just want you to take my word for it. He wants you to come and see so you can know him for yourself. He wants you to have that personal knowledge. When when I went to college, I had grown up, and I I had a great childhood, and I have have no complaints about childhood. Good job, Dad. When I went, my dad was a pastor. He started his own church. I guess it runs in the family. And uh, I grew up in the youth group, in the Sunday school. I went to a Christian high school, and I knew all the verses. I knew all the stuff. I knew everything everybody had told me, right? And then I went to college. Like my first, it, this is how sheltered I was. And I, I, think I, I liked that I was that sheltered. I think it helped build a foundation. But when I went to my first class in college, you know, just regular liberal arts college, no Christian stuff there, we just started class. We didn't pray to start class. My entire life, from kindergarten to senior year of high school, every class I had, we started with a prayer. And the professor just jumps right in, and I, I'm like, I'm not ready. God has not been invited into this classroom. This knowledge is useless. It wasn't that bad. But and so I, for me, it was, a, it, was weird, it was just kind of this weird thing of always living in kind of a bubble of everyone around me. Like my, my grandparents, my, my aunt and uncle, they were, they're all Christians. My brothers, Christians, right? And then and I just knew what I knew because people had told me. And then I started getting challenged. Can you believe that? Like college professors making you want to think for yourself. The audacity. It's their job. And got into like a philosophy class and hearing about all these smart people who have changed the world who didn't think there was a God. And you know how, you know, oh, there's contradictions in the Bible and it, it, all this type of things. Like, what are you? And I started, started losing my religion, right? It's a great song. And just kind of, 
crisis of faith is what some people call it. And so I, my brother, who's eight years older than me, I kind of told him about it. He's like, well, look for yourself, right? Do some reading. Do some research. I would email my dad some questions. That was the cool thing about growing up in my, in my dad's house is whenever I had a question about Jesus or God, he would just answer it, and he wasn't like, you're dumb for asking that. He'd say, that's a good question. Here's, what do you think? He'd, he'd kind of give his ideas. And... Anyway, so I had to research it for myself. It, wasn't no, it was no longer what somebody else had told me. It became my own thing. I had to find Jesus for myself. And yes, I had loved Jesus and, you know, he had answered prayers and stuff as I was growing up. But once I kind of researched it for myself, when I decided, no, this is what I know. This is what I believe. This is, this is who I choose to follow. There was a deeper passion. There was a deeper understanding. There was, and it's not like this mystical, deeper level understanding. It was just like, no, this is my thing. Right? Now I, I want to read. I want to study. I want to know more about him. It is changing my life. It is transforming my life. And so I am telling you right now, you are invited to come and see, just like I did. You can disagree with things I say. In fact, that might be better. Because if you truly disagree, then you can ask questions and you research for yourself. Right? That's why on our card, the Connect card, you can, it says, uh, so what about question? You can write a question about anything I say. You are invited to come and see. Maybe a first step in coming and seeing is, is finding, you can find it online, the Gospel of John. We, you can get you a, a hard copy if you want to hold it. But reading ahead. Reading how the rest of the story goes. See for yourself who Jesus' best friend said Jesus was. See what it was like to live day in and day out with Jesus. Read it for yourself. Or come and see. Like I said, Cross Creek was designed for people to come and see. To kind of test it before you buy it to see what it's all about. We, we, we say we want people to belong here before they believe. We want people to belong here even if they choose to never believe. Because you are a person worthy of value and honor. You can belong before you believe. And that's not a new way to do Christianity. In fact, that's the original way. Um, Patrick of Ireland, St. Patrick, you know the guy who wears green and drinks beer all the time? He didn't actually do that. That's a different fun tradition. But back in 400 AD, Patrick of Ireland, who there's a cool story about him being a slave and escaping and going back and trying to tell all his captors how much God loves them. But what he would do, he wouldn't like go into this pagan village in Ireland, like 400 AD Ireland, right? Not the funnest place to be. He doesn't just walk into a village and say, you're all sinners going to hell, believe in Jesus. What he and his followers would do, and they call them disciples, uh, would actually set up a camp outside the town and just kind of go through life. Doing like the, the one another's, like loving one another and bearing one another's burdens and serving one another. And they would just kind of live their, their life the way Jesus and Paul describe a Christian life, just normal Christian life should be. And then they would invite the villagers to come check it out. Like they would, the villagers would come and, and they would come and see. And they could participate in the, in, the, in the church services they would have and just the communal life. And they would come and see for themselves that this is actually a different way to live, a better way to live, a more fulfilling way to live, to actually love each other instead of just worrying about you know, strength and, and uh, superstitions and all that kind of stuff. In fact, it's how Jesus, right? That's what we're seeing. Jesus said, hey, John, Andrew, come and see. You can belong in a relationship with me before we can, we can be getting to know each other before you really know who I am. Come and see. 
So you are invited to come and see. Whether you're online, you keep watching or listening, whether you're here, come back, come and see. And you are invited to invite. You are invited to invite. John and the other disciples were blown away by how Jesus accepted them. They'd never experienced that before. The religious leaders of of that time tried to keep themselves separate. They didn't accept anybody but themselves. They couldn't understand why Jesus would accept them. And then they were blown away by how their lives are transformed by accepting his invitation to come and see. It was so impactful, they remember the exact hour that it happened. And so they brought others to come and see Jesus. And if you've experienced acceptance here, or have, or have been transformed, or, or are being, or all in a process, being transformed by Jesus, you have experienced something worth sharing. Like I said, like a good restaurant, or a good movie, you want to share it because it, it meant so much to you, it impacted you. You experienced something worth sharing. And so you invite someone else. Say, hey, come and see. Hey, you, what are you doing for dinner? I love this, this food truck. Right? Dahlia's Taqueria food truck at the Beehive Station, by the way. Best Mexican I've found in Salem. Sorry if you own a different restaurant. Anyway, see? It's so easy. If you've experienced it, you can share it. It's not a, a complicated thing. If you've experienced it, you can share it. And so we here are talking about acceptance for the next few weeks, talking about how Jesus accepts people for the next few weeks. Invite a friend to come and see. Invite a friend to hear about Jesus. In fact, if you think about it, that's how all of you are here. See, whether you found us online, whether you're still watching online, you were invited either by you know, a video of me or a friend, or even if you are like one of the founding people of this church, you were still invited to come and see if this will work. Right? We've all been invited to come and see. And so we've actually made it pretty easy for this, for this series. Uh, we created these invitation cards that you can find at the info table. It says, you are completely accepted. Come and see and sit with me. Isn't that great? It rhymes. You can't forget it. Here's, here's the thing. It's, we want to invite people to come and see, but it gets, it gets nerve-wracking nerve to invite people to church sometimes, right? And so how do I know who to invite? I want to give you three cues, cues, not clues, cues to invite people. These are called the three knots, N-O-T's, the three knots. If you're like, hey, you know, I want to invite somebody. I want, I've experienced something great. I want people to come and see. Who do I invite? The three knots. First knot is not in church. Not that they're a bad person if they're not in church, right? They probably have other things to do. But maybe they're new to town and they haven't found a community yet have a new neighbor. Maybe they're looking for a church. You know, they grew up and they kind of want to get back into that. Somebody who's not in church. What a great, great way to invite somebody, right? Oh, you're new? Are you looking for a church? Because I know a great one, right? The pastor's short, but he talks fast. It's okay, right? So not in church. Not going well. You're talking to a friend and things aren't going well. Right? Maybe, maybe they're having trouble with their marriage or trouble with their kids or trouble at work and just life doesn't seem to be going the way they want it to go. You say, you know, I, I get that too. I have those problems too. But you know what really helps me? 
being around other people who admit that that's hard too and they talk about it. Or, you know, you know, I was having this, I, was, I didn't understand why I kept getting upset with my kids. And then this, this guy talked about how, you know, it's all about love and how, you know, loving others before us. And it really just kind of helped change my perspective on things. Right, somebody? You come with me. So not in church, not going well, and not prepared for. You know, when, when we had our first kid, we thought we were ready. We had nine months to prepare. But if you've had kids, you realize, once you leave that hospital, holy cow, right? What, there's no nurse to take this thing and change this diaper for me? Mom went home? Shoot. Now I have to do it, right? No, I wasn't, we weren't prepared. It's a big transition. What a great time to invite somebody into a, a community of people who will say, hey, you need babysitting? Don't ask me. I know other people that will babysit for you. But, just kidding. I'd love to babysit. I have my background check. But, so these transitions of, I'm not, I'm not prepared for that. Maybe retirement, right? Kind of hit them and they're like, I'm looking for, for something, somewhere to fit in. Hey, you know, I found, I was looking for somewhere to fit in too and I found this church. These people are awesome. Right? Or, you know, I'm, I'm an empty nester and I'm looking, I'm looking for, hey, come and see. Come check it out. And they might ask you, what's the dress code? Cross Creek, we've never actually said this publicly. The Cross Creek dress code is, please do. <laughs> please do. Go ahead and dress any way you want. And so, you say, here's the thing. It helped me, so it might help you. So, come and see. You can sit with me. See? Come and see. You can sit with me. I'll meet you at the info table. I'll be looking for you. Just come and see. You might not like it. That's okay. If you try it once and you never come back, we can still be friends. But just come and see. You can sit with me. I mean, what if, what if you grew up, like in, the, in your home, thinking about how you were growing up, if you grew up knowing you were fully accepted, that no matter what happened, what question you asked, what you said, you, were, you would be completely accepted. Wouldn't that be awesome if you had grown up like that? What if you knew that now? That when those, when those nights of, oh my gosh, I should have done this, or, I can't believe I said that, or I don't wonder how they think about me, or wish I hadn't done that. If you knew, no matter what, you were completely accepted that you were seen as a person worthy of value and honor. What if, we accept, what if we offered that to each other? What if we accepted each other that way? What if in our country we accepted each other that way? What if even in our city we accepted each other that way? God, through Jesus, offers that acceptance to you. That's the whole point. You are accepted. You are invited to come and see. Jesus accepts your curiosity. So come and see. And bring a friend or three. Jesus accepts your curiosity, so come and see and maybe bring a friend. Or seven. Or 23. Everybody wants to know they're accepted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your acceptance. Thank you that 
You wanted us to know you as a father because that's that, that image, that good, good father that accepts us no matter who we are, what we've done, that we can always just come to you with our doubts, with our questions, with our fears, and we are accepted by you. Show us that this week. Show us that you are for us, that you accept us. Maybe if there's questions we're wrestling with, give us, give us the courage to ask them, to explore them, and give us an opportunity maybe to invite someone else to come and see. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I hope you guys have a great week. Don't forget, um, the, the cookies are in the back to boo your neighbor. The, those invites of, hey, come and see, you can sit with me, are also at the info table. So grab like 700 of them. But we will see you next week for part two of Accepted.